Hello, everybody. Welcome to another conversation. It's Jason here. I am joined today by Tom Parnell and Bill Oberst Jr. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Are we, the th are we the three geeks or are there two other geeks that are missing? There's usually, <laughs> well, there's actually like six of us that do the weekly podcast together. I'm just the only one available during the day. So you guys get me. Then how did the name, if there's six of you, how did the three geeks come about? It was uh, me, my best friend of 30 years, and my cousin. We started the podcast together. And then, you know, I like meeting people and talking to people. So we just slowly brought more and more people involved. Well, now it's the eight geeks because me and Bill are two as well. <laughs> right. So tell me about you guys. Uh, How did you guys get into acting and filmmaking and all that fun stuff? Bill, you want to go first? Well, yeah. I mean, I started acting so people wouldn't beat the crap out of me. Um, <laughs> absolutely true. I mean, I was the fat kid, the smart kid, the ugly kid, the sissy kid, the kid who liked Sunday school, all those things in a very small rural southern town. And so I literally did get the crap beat out of me all the time. And I, and I, I learned that the only way to defend myself, because back then we didn't have access to AR-15s and well, you know, the stuff that horrible things that people do now. So your options were to either disappear or learn to entertain people. So I started being a little performing monkey and I learned, aha, if you entertain people, they will not hit you. This is useful. So my entire career has been a plea to say, please don't hit me. My my strategy was to get bigger friends. So I just made friends with two bigger guys that always stood behind me so then nobody could pick on me anymore. <laughs> and I do the podcast with one of them, so it worked out. <laughs> That's good. Well, you know, I, I can't. Uh, the same thing, Jason. I had uh, in middle school, there was, a, there was a kid there that just had unbelievable fighting skills. He was dumb as a rock, so I helped him with his homework, and he kept me safe. So I did the same thing through high school. I just had a bunch of big buddies. But, you know, I mean, I'm a lawyer by trade and I've been practicing law for like 37 years. God, that sounds like a long time. And I never I never was much of a writer. I wrote, you know, I wrote poetry and some things, but I never wrote a script, screenplay. Uh, I tried to write a book once, but when I realized I didn't even have the patience to read a book, I thought that's out. So I didn't I didn't continue that endeavor. But um, I met Mark Savage, uh, my business partner and the director of the film. Uh, through an, a college friend. And I had written um, something that was 50, 50 short stories at the encouragement of some, some people here that knew me and, and did my TV commercials because I've been on TV for years doing commercials for my law firm. Um, and I wrote that and they thought it was good and you know, encouraged me to start writing. And so I had never seen a script. And uh, when I saw my first one, I thought, man, this is just talking. I can do this. And so I started, I started writing. I met Mark and uh, flew out to be in one of his movies he was filming and uh, we hit it off real well. And we, we came up with the first script idea while I was at his, uh, his, his condo there in, uh, in LA. And uh, that was in 2013. And that's when basically when I first got started, now, let me get this straight. I say this to everybody, I'm keeping my day job. Okay. So this is like an, ex this is like an expensive hobby that I, I absolutely love, but, uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to quit being a lawyer. So, Bill, I, I see that you're in quite a few horror movies. Is horror one of your favorite genres, or is it just something that you've happened to be lucky enough to well, do? I've always loved horror ever since I was a kid. Um, I've always identified with the monster. Uh, and I did stage for 16 years before I ever did any film or TV and didn't do anything scary at all there. I just 
I did historical roles, um, Shakespeare, um, plays with people like Mark Twain, John Kennedy, Jesus of Nazareth, things like that. Um, kind of a classically trained actor profile. And then when I started doing film and TV, immediately I started getting cast for Malevolence. And um, it's puzzled me for a while, but then I learned that there are uh, scientific reasons that people find certain faces trustworthy or untrustworthy. Mm -hmm. And my face has many of the markers of uh, faces that you should not trust. Uh, I have many of the genetic markers that make the reptilian core of your brain say, wait, beware. So um, I have the face for horror in addition to loving it. So I've enjoyed it. And Mark and Tom have allowed me twice now to play people who are not strictly malevolent. Um, they're sort of anti-heroes. My character in Painkiller has lost his child to opioid overdose. And uh, he's in great pain and he lashes out and he does things that in some cases are not morally defensible, but he's in great pain. And so it's, it's both at the same time. And I, and I, I really like that sort of a nuanced character, a person who's doing things we may judge to be bad, but who's doing it out of an incredible wound. I really like the wounded monster. Okay. Uh, Tom, I got a question. So, um, when you're in a movie, because you're in it as well as writing it, what is that like to see somebody else directing your work? Like, how do you, do you feel like you need to be in control of that? Or are you okay with letting the director do what the director needs to do for the written? Well, that's a good question. I mean, on different, I've been on several different sets, not just our movies, but when Mark is directing, um, you know, we have kind of a, a style, a routine. I mean, there can only be one director. And on, on, on sets that I, I haven't written the, the script, I'm a little more, you know, standoffish, you know, I let them do their thing and, and I don't interfere. If I come up with something like I was just doing a film here in Tampa called uh, Soulmates. And I saw a couple of things I thought maybe, you know, so I got the director aside when nobody else was around and kind of shared my thoughts with him. Some took, some he didn't. With Mark, um, we share after everything, just about. And and so it's a, it's a whole lot different with him. He's very open to that. Uh, he knows that I'm a continuity uh, Nazi, and so he's always ready to listen to that. Uh, Bill will tell you. <laughs> I don't. I don't let too much get by. Um, but but also is that I do a lot of rewriting um, while the movie's being filmed. I mean, you know, Bill's so easy to work with. I mean, we'll talk during many scenes, before many scenes. Maybe something just doesn't feel right to me, or I'll run a line by him and see if he feels okay about it. Uh, what would you, you know, is there anything you'd, you'd feel more comfortable saying? Because, you know, things change as the film goes on. You know, you got different angles, lighting, things, scenes. And and so if it's not feeling right to me, I'm constantly looking at the script. And and, and I change it quite frequently, which is great to have, you know, a, a, a girl there that, that's actually recording everything that's said. Because what's actually said in the movie can be so different than the last script that we were working with, you know, going into the film. So, you know, yes, I, I really enjoy the creative part because you're basically creating the whole time you're filming. Okay. Where does the idea for something like painkiller come from? Well, um, Bill and I were in stress to kill, you know, our first film. Mm. And we already had a relationship. I was a cardiologist that gave him some mild advice to try to, you know, ease his blood pressure, but he took it to mean killing people. I never said that. <laughs> so we carried over into, into this, the two characters. But the backstory, and I don't know, Jason, if you know it, but my son, I lost my 22-year-old son to an opioid overdose back in 2017. And 
my, my, my grief counselor and some other people immediately, like you'll hear when people, when they lose a child or, you know, spouse, whatever, or sibling that, you know, what are you going to do to preserve a legacy for them or create a legacy? And, and I had no idea. You know, the last thing I wanted to do, I can tell you with the pain I was, you know, I was going through that I didn't want to start another organization or agency dealing with, you know, drug overdose. There's so many of them. And so I just, I just didn't want to do it. I refused to do it. So I didn't think about doing anything else. And then a couple of years later, Mark and I were talking and it just came to me, you know, why don't we do what we do? You know, let's, let's, it's not my story. It's not my son Jordan's story, but it's a story of loss and of, of an opioid overdose and a father's pain that came from my heart. And so that's what uh, I told Bill before I pulled out every painful thought that I could, I could, that I had during those early days. And then later on, um, what I thought about myself, questioning what happened, you know, blaming myself sometimes and just wanting to get even at this evil industry. And, uh, and that's, that's how the script was born. Wow. Uh, first off, sorry for your loss. And yeah, opioids is a major crisis in this country right now. Yes, but, uh, you see crime of the century the other night on HBO. Did you see it, Bill? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was almost like an extended version of what we did in just a, a few short, I think we had maybe 20 minutes of screen time where we actually talked about, you know, the, the, uh, the, the statistics and, and everything. So it was quite amazing, but that opened a lot of people's eyes because, you know, they see that and, and now they're starting to start to realize, you know, I'm glad they filmed it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, so you guys, you guys going to keep working together, the three of you? Well, if you, speak, if you were speaking to me, Jason, I didn't understand you. Uh, the, the answers are the audio is being garbled on my end. I hear bits. Okay. I said, uh, what's next for you guys? I heard that. Tom, you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, without giving it away, you know, we're, we, we might be planning a sequel here. Uh, but uh, we love we love Bill. I mean, he was Mark's friend for, I think, a long time before I ever met him. And, and, and Stress to Kill was my first major role. Well, it wasn't a major role, but my major film that I, I helped, that I co-wrote. And uh, with Armand Asante was in it, and Bill was the lead. And, and, and I, that's something you never forget, you know. It's like the first time you, you know, you're with a girl. It's like uh, something that stays with you. Now, the first time hearing my words being said by, by professional actors, it was it was mind-numbing. I remember getting goosebumps just about every day. You know, it was such a great experience. So, yes, we're working on a project now, Mark and I, that we're planning on filming this summer. Uh, but, yeah, we're working on a couple of the scripts and and, and po quite possibly, hopefully, a, um, a sequel to, to Painkiller. That's awesome. So, Jason, I'll tell you that uh, Mark Savage has an unproduced script that he's working on securing funding for. It's called Circus of Dread. And to my mind, it's the great cult classic of horror in waiting. It's uh, akin to Carnival of Souls. Uh, Black Sunday, some of the other really solid cult pictures from the 1960s. Uh, and it's set in an underground freak show. Mark and I are both very into the old circus freak show culture. Uh, it's amazing. So that's the great dream. The real stuff that I'm doing, um, two things I'm very excited about. One, I'm going to Mexico to do a movie called Dead Iris in the fall with a young director named Adrian Corona. He did a film called Dish that I was in. Very brutal, very uh, experimental, very offensive. Um, it's experimental art house horror. And this project is based on the Aztec sweat lodge culture, which dates way back 
And the idea that within the sweat lodge, you might be able to contact a person who has passed on to the other world. So I play this American expat who's gone down to Mexico and he's gone completely native, very Klaus Kinski, with dreads and body tattoos and the whole thing. And he runs a sweat lodge. And this kid comes <coughs> down from America and wants to contact his girlfriend who has died. And my character says, yeah, I can do that. And they go through the sweat lodge ritual and he does contact her, but it's not good. It doesn't turn out well. He shouldn't have done it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited about that. And then just yesterday, I had a call from the World Science Fiction Convention. Uh, it's in a different country each year. This year, it's in America. It's in Washington, D.C. in December. And they've asked me to perform uh, my Ray Bradbury piece there and to be one of their guests. And I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, awesome. It's called World, Worldcon. Discon 3 is the name of it. And it'll be in Washington in December. So. I'm thankful for both of those things. That's fantastic. Something I always ask my guests is, what are a couple of movies you guys liked growing up? Mm, go ahead, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you as a young adult, um, I mean, growing up, you know, it was just the Flintstones and the usual stuff kids like. But as a young adult, um, The Exorcist scared the crap out of me and haunted me, I, I think, for the rest of my life. Um, because it was a battle between good and evil, and they were both evenly matched. And at the end, you don't know which one won. I love the ambiguity. Uh, and then Amadeus was another film that strongly affected me, and I think will until I die. I am similarly haunted by um, Salieri, who wants so badly to be a genius, and he's not. He's competent, but he's not a genius. Uh, and I can identify with that in some ways. Uh, people like his work, but he's not Mozart, and he never will be. And the desire to be something more than God has given him drives him mad. And that scene of him in the, in, in the madhouse rolling through saying, mediocrities of the world, I am your patron saint, I absolve you. It's beautiful, it's haunting, and it's so sad because he's thrown away the life that he has because he doesn't have a life that he envies. So hmm. both of those films deeply affected me as a young man, and, and they still do. Well, with me, you know, I grew up with Perry Mason, and uh, you know, I did a little criminal law when I first got out of law school, and I kept waiting for the person in the back to stand up and admit guilt, and it just never friggin' happened. So I realized I don't want to do this anymore. So, you know, a film that, that I really love was with Paul Newman called The Verdict, Mm -hmm. And I think it helped, you know, maybe possibly steer my career path because I thought it was just so, so, so much depth, you know, and, and, and the characters and their personalities as well as, of course, the ending. But I've been waiting my whole career for, for the jury to come back and want to give me more money than I asked for. And again, that hasn't happened either. So, but that movie deeply affected me. And I think later, later, I'm, I'm a big Daniel Day-Lewis fan and, and There Will Be Blood has, um, you know, been one of the, to me, one of the best movies of all time, but certainly one that, that I found to be amazing uh your development of that character and, and the depth of the of his soul and the personality and the, his real path to insanity you know just fascinates me so movies movies like that but i think those two stand out <laughs> those are great movies those are deep movies too like probably the deepest i've had and i just watched the verdict recently and i thought it was fantastic and uh the exorcist is fantastic as well i haven't seen the other ones on your guys's list but i plan to and um yeah the exorcist actually i Exorcist 3 I thought was pretty good too, but definitely not as good as the original. 
Exorcist 2 is a comedy, in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, terrible attempt, yes. Yes. They say Pazuzu way too much. It makes it funny. But uh, can you guys tell everybody where they can find you online and they can find the movie Painkiller? Yeah, sure. Um, it's on it's on Amazon uh, tr uh, transactional at first for, for 90 days, but they can find it on Vudu. It's on iTunes. iTunes um, it's on DirecTV, The Dish. Um, it's also on demand on most cable systems. Uh, I know it is on the old ones here in Tampa under Action and Adventure. And it's for sale. The DVD's for sale in uh, probably every Walmart in the country. So I've gotten calls from a bunch of different states saying, you know, wanting to talk about it. They've, they've seen it in Walmart. So we're kind of happy about that. But, you know, they should be able to find it just about everywhere. Voodoo as well. That's yes, perfect. Google painkiller. It's one word. It's P-A-I-N-K-I-L-L-E-R. Um, opioids, if you want to put opioids with it. And it'll come up immediately. And as Tom said, it's available everywhere. Uh, and I really wish people would watch it, even if you don't. Even if you, you think, oh, I've heard about opioids and I know about opioids, watch the film and hear what my character says about what has really gone on with the opioid epidemic. Uh, and I think even someone who's heard about it casually on the news will be surprised and offended and a little angry. Not mm. as angry as my character, but <laughs> angry that, that this happened in America. Yeah, the whole thing is crazy. Do you guys have any social media? I'm everywhere as Bill Overs Jr. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm even on TikTok, although the kids don't seem to like my stuff very much. But <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> you, Tom? Yeah, well, Tom Parnell, they can find all my stuff with just put, putting up my name. After you get through the poets from Ireland in the 1700s, you know, there, there I appear, Thomas Parnell. But, uh, yes, but anyway, they, they can Google painkiller and and all, all the stuff will come up for him. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining me, Tom, Bill. It's been a blast. And uh, everybody listening, please hit that like. Check out the movie Painkiller. And I'll see you guys next time. All right. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, Thank no you. problem, guys. Bye. Bye.